Hi everybody and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry Podcast with me, Philip Eidson, and Darren McAnthony, Chairman and Co-Owner of Peterborough United. Well, it seems like it was only a couple of days that we uh, caught up with each other down at the posh. Um, I think you had a, a slightly better weekend of it than I did, although both had an interesting weekend. Well, first of all, like again, I, I feel like it's episode one because last week's episode was like a preview, but mm-hmm. um, you know, and hopefully you're enjoying being over and, and 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 being in the in the heat of the battle, you know, in game one. Um, like I've always said to you, Philip, game one doesn't matter. Like I was laughing because for some reason I ended up with Lofty from Coronation Street. You know, the actor is it something what? He, he's obviously a Cheltenham fan, so he was having lunch with us, and when I went out for a cigarette, he was out there with me, and he was a great guy. But at half time, he was, you know saying, yo, well, you know, that player has never played like that before, and all these boys are really stepping up. And I said, look, I said, welcome back to League One. This is League One. This is what it's all about. Cheltenham will be a graveyard for some big teams this season. You know, their pitch was phenomenal. It looked like Wendy Stadium. Um, They've got some good players. They work hard for each other. A good manager. Um, You know, people think, oh, it's Cheltenham. We're just going to roll into town. They're, They're in for a shock. And I think maybe... Maybe some of our players, and again, Alan Swan, if you're listening, don't be putting out headlines that I'm slaughtering our players. I'm not. Maybe some went into the game or woke up on the day of the game or went out and played and thought, well, and sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need a stinker. Sometimes you need a stinker to make you realize, hang on, we ain't getting back to the championship with a half-arsed approach or putting in half of the work. And to be fair, we, we've got a manager who's not going to settle for that. And I said to Barry at halftime, I'd guess three to five is the number subs wise. Could be all five, could be three. Um, it was it was a bit of a you know it was poor, and and to be fair, Chatelain probably should have been more up. A young goalie made some great saves. Clark Harris obviously missed right in the stroke at half time. Probably glad he did because if he'd scored and it was two one, the manager mightn't have made all those changes. So probably did us a favour. And then as, to be fair, if Chatelain were honest, you know we changed formation, we put on a few players, we stepped up the gear, and you know bar a couple of saves it was pretty comfortable dare I say but when you got Marriott and Clark Harris um, two golden boot winners in league one they're not the you know, prime of their career um, yeah I mean the big the big killer for us was we played Hull last week and we destroyed them and a lot of that was our right side that was Thompson and Poku and both players ended up becoming unavailable and it disjointed the team a bit and you know Ricky J Jones who's usually playing on the left suddenly playing on the right for the first time Josh Knight's playing at right back because Joe Ward was kind of 50-50. Benji had come back from an injury, so he hadn't had enough minutes. You know, Tomlinson's actually a left back. And the manager obviously felt, well, I'll go with Josh Knight. And God bless Josh. He obviously tried, but he's not a right back. You know, sometimes you have to defend the player. He, he, he said it himself after the game. He was like, yeah, he admitted it, didn't he? He had a bad He was Tony, yeah. I, I think he put, them in, he put them in twice when he was under no pressure. And I love that about him, that he's actually gone, hey, I was Tony. And that's where he's a, he's a class lad and, and, a, and a proper player. But, you know, you're asking him to do a job that's not his job kind of thing in a position. So, and he did it and he, and he tried. But we just, we were kind of rag arse rovers. And, you know, we didn't have an answer for Cheltenham. You know, there were a lot of players on the par, you know, and, and there's a couple of them were carrying a couple of things and whatever else. Pretty normal, not quite at 100%, but they will be soon. And then the second half, this is the beauty of this season with so many subs. With our squad, we have a good squad. A really, you know, before that we say we have a really good eleven. Squad's a bit, you know, whatever else, but we have a really, really good squad, Phil. And we have players who haven't even come back yet. You know, we have a really good squad, and the strength in the squad. And with so many subs, we can almost name a new half a new team. 
and and and, and with real impact. David Ajibowi, who spent a quarter of a mil on, you know, he didn't even get in the pitch. So you, you you know, again, you're looking at it late on in the game. I mean, to be fair, I'm going to give the gaffer massive credit. Ben Thompson was an absolute revelation. Forget about Wardy. Wardy came on 50% fit, traded two goals, got out wide, got the ball in the box, three goals. Do you know what I mean? Um, we, we you put that ball in the box with them two strikers, you're scoring goals. But for me, one of the big differences, Ben Thompson came in there next to Marriott because Jando, I don't know what was going on with Jando in the first half, but he was proper Ben Thompson. I mean, the manager really wanted him. Now I can see why. I mean, the boy was just all action. He'll probably be the first to admit he's not technically the best in the world. But forget that. It's the other stuff he does that's even more impressive than that. And he just ran his guts out in that midfield. And just suddenly from the first half, we were losing 70 30s in our favor. They were winning. It wasn't 50 50s. They were winning 30%, where they should only have 30% chance. They were winning every one of those kind of 50 50s, you'd call them. And then the second half, we were just winning the ball back. You know, Jack Taylor was probably one of our best players in the first half. So they put someone next to him. And then late in the game, bringing on young Hector, you know, when Sammy came off and just having three in midfield to solidify things, Hector's like 6'3, he's big in the box, good for long throws and set pieces against us. And it was just having those tools to come on at the right time. Look, I didn't, make, I'll be honest with you, I actually didn't expect us to win. Usually we are pony actually collectively first day the last few years. We're not, we're not quite at the races yet. And um, so I was, that was kind of like a bonus win for me. Um, considering how we've started. But I guess if you want to compete at the top this season, some of the teams in that league, you know, you're going to have to start semi-decent. You know, if you look at the League One results, I think only two teams went away from home. Um, and Cheltenham, like I said to you, it, a lot of teams are going to go there. And it, you just look at the results. Look at Akron and Stanley, Charlton. You know, these teams, whilst they might not be fancy in name, they are good teams. They, they like, you know, punch above their weight. Their places are really difficult. Cheltenham might analyze like their home form was phenomenal last year. So again, there will be some big teams going there and, and taking a bath. So uh, yeah, we got out of there and uh, happy to win. Happy to be able to watch football, which is now on ITV on a Saturday night instead of Quest. Got on about that. I didn't. Did you ever watch Quest last year with Colin Murray? You know, I, I was able to get it a couple of times. Like I had to go through the whole VPN and all that stuff to be able to watch it. But I really enjoyed him. Yeah, you know, whatever else. But I'm, I'm the ITV thing or whatever. Yeah. So um, I, I hope maybe Colin Murray's part of that team because he was a bit banter. It was a bit of whatever. But um, yeah, we'll see. It's now gone from BBC to Quest to ITV. It's, mm -hmm. it's changed, gone around the house a little bit of uh, time. But it was nice to watch that Saturday night. It was nice to. It was really funny because obviously after the game, I'm looking at the halftime comments, you know, <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, they're ending the young goalie's career. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're killing a young goalie's career yeah. at halftime. He's made his league debut. He's won us the game. Um, he's going to be a terrific young goalkeeper. And they're just burying us. The usual hate Dara merchants are just like, yeah, oh, you know, because Dara's not arsed about signing a goalkeeper. Then you got somebody going, greatest show on turf with sarcasm. I was nearly, I was just, I was fucking leave it. You know what I mean? Just leave it alone. It's just like, you know. Now you know what's to come. You know, every time you fall behind for the rest of the season. Two years ago when we won promotion, I just remember, I actually looked through my social media the other day and we lost like three of the first five games. The stuff that was written on there about the vengeance tour and about this and about that. Fuck, people need to get a life. People need to relax. People need to chill. A woman I've learned since COVID is you can't take yourself too seriously. Like people go, you can't say the greatest show on turf. You're setting yourself up for failure. If people think I meant that, like as a per se, you know, oh, we're going to like steamroll over. I mean, fuck's sake. You got to be able to like have a bit of a laugh at yourself sometimes. And and in a perfect world, 
would I like to own the most supreme football team on the planet? Of course, it's fantasy land, but come on. Come on. <laughs> We've been around football long enough to know that. Uh, I know. mean, come on. So people just need to, like, you know, come at that. You know, like, calm the fuck down. But anyway, look, it's a win. You get out of there. I think the manager was happy. I spoke to him today. You know, and he came. Everyone was out training today. You know, players are back. You know, Paku, we were really concerned about that one. We've had good news. He's only going to be a couple of weeks, if that. You know, like we thought that could have been a bad one. We, at first, I think we thought it was an Achilles, and then we were, you know, yeah. I was shitting. Yeah, I was shitting myself on Thursday. And then on Friday, I was at the shops for some reason getting on milk. And I'll text him, good news on Paku. He's like, no. And I'm like, fuck, I'm smashing my car in the car park at Sainsbury's. So he's just like, give us a break after the year we've had. You know what I mean? So, yeah, some good news there. And, um, yeah, look, it's, um, you know, and, and, and a lot of players were on the par. People were hammering a few to No, and by the way, you know, overall, the majority, bear this in mind, 95% of Posh fans know what we're all about. Enjoyed Saturday. The 1,100 fans were there. Superb. Great atmosphere. You know, it felt like they'd taken over the stadium. The noise. Sometimes I'm touching wood when I hear things like, oh, 2 0 up. You fucked it up. And I'm like, oh, don't say that to the full time whistle. But uh, they, they enjoyed it. And it was, it was, I think it was good to see. What really got us promoted two years ago, we were number one in the country for coming from behind. I think we did We did it. I think we won the most points from coming from behind. And if we're going to have a real chance of competing to win the league, to win promotion, we have to repeat that. And to go 2-0 down there, I'll make a bet with you. No other team will go 2-0 down at, at that place and come back and win this season. We'll have to, we'll have to keep a watch on that. Podcast fans, if that happens, you can throw that at me, all right, on Twitter. The DMAC out haters, you can throw that at me on Twitter. Apparently, most of them were on holiday last week when I did the forum. It was a big coincidence. So many of them were on holiday, but they were on holiday. Fair play. It's easier to easier to speak on social than it is in the room. You know, I, I had a lovely message off uh, Jean on, on Facebook on Sunday. And she was like, oh, the negativity at home. And I said to her, stop letting people bother you. She gets so defensive of me. And she was like, yeah, but BBC, you know, Franny Green and the other guy, you know, they were like, slow. I said, I can only imagine what it would be. I don't know what the BBC problem with me is you know over the last maybe because i don't have um uh, gender pronouns you know in in my bio on twitter because i know the bbc are all into that nowadays more than ever they're like, woke 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 maybe maybe that's what it's turned a little bit who fucking knows but they were winding her up during the game almost they were delighted we were like losing do you know what i mean so i think she was very happy when uh, we mounted the comeback but anyway enough about posh well, I'll tell you what, that Johnson Clark Harris goal, uh, was it his first or his second? And uh, You'll go a long way to see something hit that sweetly. I was worried about the people behind the goal. Because I can only imagine, if I was behind that goal, when he's hit that, you're thinking, you're forgetting the nets there. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking, fuck me, if that hits somebody in the stand, you're getting knocked out for a week. Because when I saw it, the rocket on it, I mean, he's got mm-hmm. the hardest shot in football. That left foot of his is a gift. Uh, and perfect to Jono. He, he, I saw him with the players at halftime on the pitch. They went out six minutes early. I think they were kicked out. And, and he was laying into all the players in a, in a good way, in a, in a group about what, and that's what a captain does. And then what a captain does is a captain leads from example. And Jack Marriott started the ball rolling and John O'Basey finished. But look, he, he's the best striker. For me, he's one of the best outside the Premier League. You know, people go on about, I, I think with Ipswich fans a few weeks ago about his value and everything else. You find me another similar player target man to him that gives you that amount of goals and what he does for the team, yeah? And I'll be amazed. There ain't many out there. 
You know, you couldn't name one in League Two, mm-hmm. and I couldn't name one bar him in League One to that standard. Well, that net nearly was uprooted out of the uh, the pitch, wasn't it? Oh my God! But anyway, but fair play to Cheltenham. Really looked after us. Loved the people there. Um, you know, had a good, very gracious, and and their facilities, the pitch, their fans even coming out of the game. Really, really good place. And we forgot to say, massive congratulations to the Lionesses. Yes, watch. I watched it last night. Really enjoyed it. Phenomenal atmosphere. I know my girl's back in the States and my missus isn't big into women's soccer. She watched it, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, fair play. Let's hope that's a big um, a big game changer for women's football. Yeah, the start. Uh, as they said last night, you know, the start of the journey. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, and they were clinical and, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the celebrations. I enjoyed everything about it. And uh, yeah, long may that continue because that's brilliant for the girls' game. Yeah, we had all the kids were watching, and you know it gets them into football even more. Just seeing success, you know, it doesn't matter uh, whether it's men or women getting success. No. You know, it's success for England. Hey, and to turn the Hermans over anytime, you don't care mm-hmm. if it's your kids, your girls, your boys. You know, at the end of the day, I'm allowed to say Hermans, but I can't nowadays. The whole PC thing, I'd be careful. Um, BBC will be after me again for you. Know, well, if if woke, you're not back up. next week, we got shut down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah, but no, all good. Congrats to them. Um, you know, let's hope that's that's a real kind of like um, that sets off a trail now of some good things that happen for female for ladies football. You know, I know they got fifty grand each, a lot of them, and there's nothing compared to the men. But I think what they'll get now in endorsements and all the things that will come their way, and that's not really why they're in the game. But now they're going to get that recognition. I've always said, the more money that comes in, you want to get parity and everything else. Get the TV cameras on you. There's number one. You know, they had ninety thousand people at Wembley. It's number two. The good news there is that those kind of numbers will lead to better TV deals, which means it leads to more money. So, all good. Now, let's talk Bradford. Yeah, what an interesting game we had. So, um, you know, all set up, start the season. Everyone's very excited. Uh, we're getting 19,500 in there, which was incredible. Um, the atmosphere, I mean, the atmosphere was something special. You know, the flags going over the cop, and we uh, had kind of the, the current number... Um, uh, cards that were on there, everything looked great. You know, everyone's get set up. Six minutes in, a new player gets a double leg break. I saw it. I saw it. Like, yeah. God bless the kid. I saw it. It was like, I, I never watched the actual thing because I just can't. I'm not, I'm too squeamish. I've not watched it back either because I can't watch it. Well, have you spoke to anyone? What's the prognosis as regards to? Uh, I don't know a timing yet. He had his up on Sunday. Uh, so yesterday as we're recording this, uh, double leg break. So you've got to imagine that it's the season. And it was just innocuous. It was just like a... I mean, oh. it was it was a kid, you know, from the Doncaster side, went in, went in too hard, followed through. He was probably a bit over-enthusiastic as well, you know, a 19-year-old in what, his fifth or sixth professional game. And everyone's just been G'd up by the, you know, start of the game and somebody in there in the atmosphere. He probably just went to his head a little bit. Um, and he, he got booked, should probably been sent off just for dangerous wow. foul play. That's VAR. Does he go? I imagine so. It's not like I say. I haven't watched the challenge back because I don't want to watch the kid get his leg broken. You know, again. Um, but it was pretty nasty. Well, let's send him our best wishes and let's hope yeah. he recovers from it. You know, I mean, I, I, I read. Obviously, I was. I saw the high. Well, I say highlights. The only highlight was the the kind of the instant of the injury and then Lee Tomlin acting like I don't know. You know, for one of my children to act like that, I tell you what, I'm going to smack him when I see him. So I don't know what goes through his head. I love Tomo, but unfortunately, he has history for this. You know, in the first spell with us, when he wanted me to sell him, he got sent off four or five times in 15 games. 
Then the second spell, where he was trying to get his fitness back, he got sent off doing something stupid next to a ref again. Do you know what I mean? By like tipping someone on the ankle and they went down. And then this time I saw, uh, you know, love him to bits. He's he, if you met him, you'd really like him. And and he, I don't know if he showed any glimpses of talent, but what on earth are you doing? I, I don't know what was going through his head. Yeah, it was really just petulant. And I mean, unfortunately, he, you know, it's pot kettle and black saying this you know saying he looked out of shape but for a professional footballer you know he looks like he's got some work to do and maybe that's um you know that's on his mind too i don't know but it was just it was ridiculous you know i mean he was getting wound up a little bit by the uh by the fans he we were sat basically next to the away dugout and um they were giving him verbals around there with some city fans he threw the ball back into the crowd right next to me just about two minutes before that happened I, uh, I, I, well if he's not in the condition he should be he needs to work on that and, and i still i know all the fans were like you're saying this guy in the podcast last week with the best player in the league too I, I think i said at the time an inconditioned and he needs to get his head straight. So I'm sure he's already apologized to the Donny fans. Like I said, he's not malicious. He's not evil. He just does daft things at times. He's at the age now where he shouldn't do things like that. So, shit. The other thing I read was you had 22 shots and only two on target. Mm-hmm. Saying they packed the bus is an understatement. Hang on. Hang on. There's 22 shots. So regardless of parking the bus, you got 22 shots. Yeah, but goal. they were all from distance. Of course, yeah. So who pl- who played up front? Yeah, we got Vadim Oliver and uh, Leon Gol. Yeah, forget Leon Gol. How did Oliver do? Yeah, I mean everything as you would expect. Everything that hit him stayed with him, um, but there just wasn't that f- much fluidity up front, um, and that's probably them all just getting to know each other. I would imagine. Like I didn't come away from it concerned or anything. Oh, I, I was going to ask that next question. Was there anything on Saturday? I, I, I'm telling Posh fans, calm down. What you see in Game One. Was there anything game one that concerned you? No. I mean, the center, the defensive line, no problems at all. Midfield, not really any problems. We struggled to break them down. They came for a point. They got a man sent off. They packed the bus. They did all the dark arts. You know, they were falling on the ground every two minutes. And um, there's just a lot of frustration and anger going around the stadium after the sending off. Sorry, after the uh, injury. Um, you know, I've not been in such a toxic environment for a long time for the fans, like in the probably because we sat right by the dugout, but there was a lot of you know their assistant coach giving it back to the fans and the fans giving it back to them, and um, I mean it got pretty tasty. Was that that was that derby? Mm, I mean, yeah, it's Yorkshire, but we don't really think of them as a rival particularly. You know, they celebrated like they'd won the the FA Cup. Um, on the other, I mean, Mark Hughes said at the end, I would have liked to have thought if the roles were reversed, we'd have at least tried to play some football. I don't I don't agree with Mark Hughes there. I think if, you, if, you, if you're going to have 10 against Bradford, in front of 19,000 Bradford fans, I think if you're rolling out of there, how long, how long did, when did the sending off happen? What minute? Uh, it was the like eighth minute of first half injury time. Right. So if you're playing a whole half against the fancy Bradford team, yeah, you know, at their place, and you get a draw, and you you, you do what you got to do to get the point. It's a great result for them, I think. Yeah, I under Hughes is probably angry, you know. So so it's on him to find a plan B to score. So and he didn't answer that question, did he? No, you know, we don't have a lot of width right now, and uh, right. Osa Baby, which is one of the ones that uh, who got injured. Keep, keep telling you about Kano. Keep telling you about Kano. Someone else now at the top of League Two is about to get him. Possibly. Keep telling you. Yeah, we need width. <laughs> Um, yeah. 
Aboesa's injured again, who was injured all last season. Um, you got Asadebi's injured. We haven't uh, filled the like open loan spot that we hoped we'd have out wide. So if there's any more business that needs to be done, it needs to be a couple of wide players, I think. But I'm not concerned. You know, there's there's a lot of class in that team. How did Small look like? Yeah, he was fine. I mean, he kind of ran the show in the middle. He it just it looks so easy. You know, he's just one of those players where gets the ball, rolls it around. He never looks like he's in any trouble. Um, and the same with um, uh, we have a young uh, lad from Huddersfield called Critchlow at centre half, and he looks like he's on a different level than most players in that league. Again, very easy. He reminds me uh, we had Dean Richards uh, who played for us as a kid before he went on. Uh, to Wolves, and he reminds me of a young Dean Richards. Just you know, really good on the ball, runs it out. I've got, I've got my scouts keeping an eye on him in case I, you know, have to buy a centre half. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> just, make, just make sure it's the end of the season, not in January. <laughs> joking. <laughs> no, very good. So it was a good weekend of football. To be fair, it was enjoyable. You know, I was really frustrated just because it was, you know, this is the one city game I get, would get to go to, and I was hoping that we'd see. Uh, See a win from it, but where 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 where's Bradford on Saturday? We're away at Barrow. Ooh, okay. So you know, four hundred people will be at that one um, from City. I think it's four hundred or six hundred or something. How, how far is Barrow? As the uh, as the crow flies, it's not that far, but it's a good two three hour drive around Cumbria. I think. Didn't they have it, a great result at the weekend? Yeah, they won away at Stockport. Yeah, three 0 up, and it was three two mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I saw that. Fucking. But in fairness to the Barrow manager, he was the Halifax manager, wasn't he? Yeah, Pete Wilde. He's obviously very, very good. I think he started at Oldham, and then he was bombed out of there. But he, from from, we used to watch Halifax a lot because he had some good young players there. And he's getting the tune out of players on on a budget that's not. He, he if he continues with his trajectory, he won't be around long in League Two. Yeah, I mean, we looked at him when we brought Mark Hughes in, um, because you know, a local manager to us. Um, and he did wonders at Halifax. I actually feel bad for, while Halifax might hate us, you know, like a rivalry, I really wanted Halifax to get back to the uh, Football League and lost all his players. Like when he left, a lot of his players from last year left as well. Um, And, you know, it might be a little harder for them now, but he was working wonders at Halifax. No, 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 no doubt about it. So that's not easy. Tell everyone where you are on Saturday, Phil. Where are you going this Saturday? I'll be uh, off to give... um, some stick to our former manager, Derek Adams, at, uh, at Peterborough. <laughs> My guest in the director's box. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So that'll be your first posh game uh, where we've done the podcast, that's for sure. That'll be fun. I can't wait. And, you know, all the family are coming on as well. So uh, um, I'll have to remind them at the beginning that they're not to convert themselves to posh fans. fans. Although, you know, seeing a win might change their mind. Hey, the greatest show on turf attracts Mm -hmm. all comers. All right. That's just the way it goes. But listen, if we play like we played on Saturday in the first half, Morecambe are winning. So, you know, and again, like people go, who are you playing? Morecambe, Sheffield Wednesday, these teams. It's just like, this is League One. You know, it, it's like, you know, big names don't mean anything in League One, um, you know, as, as we saw with some of the results on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if we um, kind of finishing off on League Two, we talked a little bit about Barrow beating Stockport. Um, let's see, Stevenage winning away at Tramia. Steve Evans, I told you, don't be, don't be shocked if Evans mounts another promotion. Honest to God, he's the promotion king. Do not be... I would have bet my life on him winning that game on Saturday. I said the Baz on Thursday, Evans will go to Tranmere and get a result. 
Honest to God, he will shake. I'm telling I really feel they could be the surprise package. And then Harrogate beat Swindon 3 0 at home, which was a. Yeah, a yeah. Swindon have got some work to do. Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, they've lost some good players. They've got work to do. Yeah, they lost a lot with um, the manager when he went to Charlton, didn't they? Yes. Um, they, they had some good players last year. So, good, good new owner, though. So, you know, I, I just think it's going to take them a while to rebuild from the Lee Power era. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that was a very good result to be fair. You're just talking about there. Any standout results for you in League One then? Um, no, uh, I mean, if you look at some of them, you know, let me think. Uh, obviously, Wednesday in Portsmouth had a real home. I think Cambridge probably had the standout results because everyone, even though MK Dons have lost all their best talents, but they brought in a lot of players. So you would probably expect them to bed them in and take time. But Cambridge obviously took advantage early on and, and, and had a hell of a goal by, by Nibs, who, who scored a great goal in the game. So what else in there? Was there anything that shocked you in that league? Um, I think good result for Bolton away at Ipswich. Yep, definitely. With a 1-1 draw. Nothing else. You know, I actually was going to ask you about Cambridge. I have a, a Cambridge United supporter um, uh, who uh, who I know very well, who was uh, lamenting the fact that we hadn't mentioned them in our pre-season preview. So um, any expectations on Cambridge this year? Is it going to be a difficult second season? I, I No, no. I, I think they're pretty well run. I think they've got a very good manager. I know he joked last year that he'd never want to manage posh and everything else, but it wouldn't stop me from, you know, obviously saying he's obviously very good at his job. Um, they've had a very good three, four-year period now that, you know, that you either build on or it goes the other way, and I think they're building on that. Um, you know, so, no, I, I, I don't expect any. Would it shock me if Cambridge were up there? Not at all. Do I think they'll struggle in League One? No. You know, people talk about second season syndrome, but that really, for me, is the Premier League and, and sometimes the champ, not necessarily League One. Do you think, though, that, um, you know, there's teams that I'm thinking Sutton, uh, as an example, you know, where you you come up, you do well, you have a, that's, a squad that's embedded, that's played together for a long time, and maybe even Forest Green, and then when you do well, that squad gets picked apart, and you're not necessarily of the... right. You know, so that, that, have to recruit to replace yeah, those players. That, that's a great point. Obviously, Sutton have lost a few very good players, including one we took. So, you know, you, you worry if, you know, it depends on how they recruit and replace. Forest Green, fair play to them. They had a brilliant result. They beat Bristol Rovers. That was probably the standout result in League One. And they've lost the heartbeat of their team with their fullbacks who created all their goals. They got Maddie Stevens, who was their golden boot winner last year, who's done his ACL. They lost uh, Ebu Adams in midfield, who was kind of, again, the, like, the engine rim. So for them to go there at Bristol Rovers, yeah, that, that surprised me, that result. Um, and I need to a quick shout-out. There's a Bristol Rovers player, I believe, he was diagnosed with a form of, of cancer. Yes. Um, so God bless him and, and pray for his recovery. And uh, we, we send him all our best. We, we, you know, when you see things like that, you like puts football to in the shade. So, but... But yeah, so that Forest Green is probably, you know, before the Forest Green fans come at me, you know, or, or the, the owner, you know, whatever else, we have to give them credit for that result. Now, into the championship, did you watch the Huddersfield Burnley game? I did. And I don't know if I'm, you know, what is it with commentators and everyone else to get carried away? You know, like last year it was like the Wayne Rooney show, you know, it was carried away. Sky are at it today with his remarkable win in the MLS. You know, I mean, you know, his MLS team won the game 1 0, and it's like a remarkable win. Is it just me or was there people overreacting about, you know, the, the company Man City kind of axes? I mean, Burnley were good. 
Yes, they pressed really well, but it was almost like he'd recreated the wheel and pressing. I don't know if they've ever watched football outside the champ, but more and more football teams now are, are pressing. My manager is a big you know, believer in pressing teams. And, you know, when you've got a player like Cullen who they spent three million on, and you go to, I was amazed, I was amazed Twine didn't actually play, but mm-hmm. I, you know, let's not forget that it's still a Premier League club. Um, yes, they're selling players for 20 million at a pop. And I think they're after now the Coventry player O'Hara. I read in the, in the, I don't know if Coventry will do that business or not, but it was a good win for Burnley. But I just sometimes I think like the commentators get carried away. It was almost like Vinnie Company had like rewritten the script on how to play football in the championship. You know, I think that we'll have that with us, Mark Hughes, if, if he does well, that everyone's like kind of looking for a story. I already saw all the Mark Hughes stories on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. The Sun were doing it. The, you know, it's that big name, isn't it? It's like all of a sudden you're getting articles left, right and center. You know, people follow the person. And, um, and that, I mean, for us, that's good because that hopefully leads to more Sky games because suddenly there's a bigger interest story, you know, which leads to more Sky money. Yeah, because, because Bradford with 20,000 fans on Saturday buying tickets needs Sky money. <laughs> like, because Derby, you know, with 40,000 fans on a Saturday. And I don't mean to have a dig at Bradford. But, yeah. But, like, that, that pisses me off. You know, like when I see like Salford used to get all the TV games, you know, and Derby would get this. And then obviously Bradford suddenly starting on TV because of Mark Hughes. Like with all due respect, when you've got clubs in League Two with 2,000 fans, and who down at 70, they're the ones who kind of deserve TV money. They may have owners who are uh, funding the clubs as opposed to being self-funded. Maybe, and in your defense, you're self-funded. But I, I honestly think, give me 20,000 paying fans every Saturday. I mean, I'd happily turn down TV money. You know, well, it's just like, and, and with Derby, I think they had was a 33,000 or something at their game on Saturday. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, some of the crowds are incredible, aren't they? I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm just like, you know, wow, wow, wow. You know, no wonder you can pay that wages, this wages or whatever else. But look, that's, that's the beauty about our pyramid. That's just the way it is. You can have a monster like Bradford in League Two. You can have a monster like Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich in League One. You know, you can have a Leeds five years ago in League One. That, that is... You know, anyone in the MLS wants to know why your product isn't as is, is exciting as it should be, just fucking take a look at our pyramid. It's the greatest pyramid in world football. You, what do you make, so talking of that, like about financial parity within a league, because we've seen um, Andy Holt talk a lot about iFollow mm. and the distribution of cash from iFollow, where, mm. you know, traditional TV deals, it's more it's more evenly distributed, at least within division, not necessarily between division. Whereas when you start looking at iFollow and iFollow receipts, the money right now, the way it's structured, is going to the club that sells the most tickets, uh, which is going to be the bigger club. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, look, Andy's got his own opinions. We haven't always got on and got a bit testy there, you know, during and after COVID and you know, followed me on Twitter and you know, all that stuff, but which is fine. He's, he's entitled to get the home from me. Um, I can't disagree with him. I understand where he's coming from, a club his size. You know, to have a big club come and people stay at home so they can watch I follow and all that revenue goes to them is his argument, I believe. And... I, you know, I've always been a fan of the American NFL system where all the money's pooled. Like you've got 32 teams or 40 teams and all the money is pooled and then shared equally under one big shell business. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, for me, how should I follow happen? You know, maybe all the money should be, but then you're going to have the big clubs complaining. So it, it's one of them. We went down our own route and how do I follow, you know, the license money back. And, and we do our own thing, and it's still posh plus is still taking off. It's not quite the we're working on it. I've got meetings next week working on it a little bit. My partner Randy's involved in it. You know, there's a lot of things we want to do with posh plus, you know, to get our subscriptions. I've always spoken about the whole Netflix thing. If you can get your subscription up, if you can get that growing, 
Um, I, I, I do. I feel, I feel for an Andy Holt. I, I, I understand his argument. I know why he's putting his, he's digging his heels in. But hey, you're allowed to come out of it, you know. And 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 that's what we've done, you know, as regards to I follow and 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 going down our own route. But big clubs can still sell their own match ticket for our games, I believe. So it doesn't really solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Now, does it disincentivize medium-sized clubs in taking risks to build a fan base? that then become a big fan base. And of course, I'm thinking of us, of Bradford, where, you know, we haven't always had 15,000, 20,000 tickets in League Two back 20 years ago. You know, I've been to 3,000, 4,000 crowds, you know, back in the old uh, fourth division. But we took risks. You know, we invested in cheap season tickets, which got, you know, grew a fan base which you know is expensive in itself to grow to the position where we're now hopefully reaping some of the rewards of that investment. Does parity disincentivize clubs from doing it because they're just going to get the same amount of money anyway from a central pop rather than having to grow their uh, fan base? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that that's goes against my argument. I'm talking about centralized pop and TV money, not in gate money. You know, like I believe in the NFL, all the gate money is not split equally. They keep their yeah, and that's money. a good point. I'm talking- I'm talking yeah. about TV. I'm talking about the rights around the world. I'm talking about when we finally do a an EFL Plus. Yeah, you know where 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 you get your gate money, you keep whatever. But because it's a it's a product that's universal amongst us, is like Sutton make a part of the EFL like Leeds and Derby would. Leeds are in the EFL, so you can't say well they're worth less than you are because it's all part of the pyramid. So what I'm talking about there is that if we went out and did an EFL Plus, all the money generated by that which replaces the sky money, solidarity, that is equally split amongst everyone. How many fans come in on a match day is still your revenue, unless it's in a cup where you go 45 45%. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I look, at the moment, I, look, Rick Parry, I like. I think he's good for the EFL. He's not silly. I'm, I'm sure there's, that these things have been worked on to find solutions for problems like an Andy Holtz that he has at Accrington and like problems we had. You know, they're trying their best. They're trying to put their best foot forward and everything else. So that, that's where I stand on that one. Um, I took us off the uh, championship a little bit there, but anything else from your mind from the championship that uh, that stood out for you this weekend? Um, Blackburn had a good win. Um, who else did well? Um, Cardiff got a good 1-0 against Norwich. Yeah, yeah, that was a good. Norwich, you're kind of like, you know, it, it's if Dean Smith has a bad start there, you'd, you'd be like, oof. You know, but but they've got too many good players not to be up there. Um, you know, were there any shock results? There was a few draws. You know, it's early days. Um, you know, ask me after four or five results. It's when things start taking shape. You know, I guess I guess the first couple of games are all about seeing what people need left in the time left in the window. You know, and and, and that's that's where it goes from there. And you got some new managers. Blackpool had a great result. Um, they won one nil. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting. Uh, Hull got a 2-1 against Bristol City and they've been pretty active so far, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they were rubbish when we played them, but that's a pre-season friendly, so you never, and that was only a week ago, so fair play. A lot of Turkish players have gone in there. He could go one way or the other. So they're probably delighted to get that win. And uh, let's, see, let's see, that's one to keep an eye on because they've got some players and big money have come in there now. Let's see how they adapt to the championship. We know what that we know what that league's like, so it's it's on on for good. Stoke obviously uh, got a good scene to off Millwall. Millwall will definitely be a dark horse. I watched the Sunderland game yesterday. It was a really good game uh, with Coventry. Coventry came on strong, typical championship team. Dug in, dug in, dug in. Then the last fifteen minutes kind of overpowered and got the equaliser, and then probably could have won the game. So that'll be interesting as well. 
um, yeah, it's one of them leagues, isn't it? It's you can never call it. I, I see the um, uh, the Rotherham uh, Rotherham one Swansea one. I started listening this week to the podcast that uh, was following on the BBC um, Paul Warren last year and Carl Robinson as they were doing their um, uh, kind of gearing up for promotion and. You know, it shouldn't be one to promote another podcast on this podcast, but it's really insightful. They were all mic'd up through the last two or three months of the season to hear their kind of journey and the, uh, you know, the, the 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 ups and the downs, but also a lot of the mental side of the game from managers' oh, perspective right. I, I, I that you don't that. see. Um, so it's kind of fascinating. Okay. What was it like? Yeah, I've listened to the first three or four so far. What's really interesting is Carl Robinson talking a lot about um, uh, mental health. Well, he, he's big at that, him and his wife, you know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. Carry on. No, and how he'd brought in like a spot psychologist. I think he said they were the only club to employ one full time, you know. And to me, it was interesting hearing like vulnerability of a manager because you look at these managers again on a pedestal, you don't see what goes on behind the scenes and all the vulnerabilities that they do uh, and that they have. And for them to be sharing them openly, I think was just really, you know, insightful. And hopefully, you know, people see people like Carl, people like Paul Warren, people like the other managers as humans. As opposed to as just like you know objects to, um, uh, you know, throw abuse at, and you know all the things that we do on social media and on the terrace. You know the store we live in, Phil. You know it's like if you're not thick skinned, you, you know you you can, you know you can struggle, and I can see why people struggle because it comes in such a barrage at once. It's not like the old days where someone would call your name fine, but now you got thousands of people at it. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think it was Paddy the Baddy in the UFC had said two weeks ago, his friend had committed suicide. And it's like, men don't talk about their feelings. And, and absolutely correct. We've always said that. We spoke about it in the business podcast. But, about, you know, there's nothing wrong with being honest. There's nothing wrong with telling people you're down. You've heard me on the podcast, you know, kicked in the bollocks. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit lower than a snake's belly. It's okay to talk about it. You're, you're not Mr. Invincible. You know, and, and uh, you know, I said it at the forum last week, you know, I, I always try and be as honest as I can with people when they ask me a question. You know, there are sometimes there are bigger things going on in your life than football. Right. As hard as that is to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did, so you watch the um, Community Shield, I guess, as yes. it is now called. Um, yeah. You'd be happy with that as a Liverpool fan. Yeah, listen, good game. Happy Klopp added another trophy to his collection. Um, listen, Man City aren't a superb team for the second half of the season. Pep Guardiola has them. He gets them peaking. So, you, you know, at the end of the day, any time to beat your rivals, you know, Wembley, or not Wembley, was at Leicester. Um, I really like the look of Darwin Nunes. Um, you know, he's going to be the real deal. I know he was getting a bit of, like, crap off United fans a few weeks ago. But, you know, I'm, Klopp will drive me mad because he'd probably pick Bobby Firmino over him in the league. But, for me, I think he can score 20 league goals this season. I think he's the next sensational one. Salah looks like he's refreshed because he was burnt out in the second half of last season. I still worry about him midfield. Um, you know, the goalkeeper, you know, if you're that Adrian in goal for the season, I'd, I'd be pulling my hair out. Um, you know, but yeah, very good. Very optimistic. Like you say, first trophy in the cabinet. And yeah, it doesn't really mean anything except for, you know. But it, but it does. But it does. It's a trophy. It's a competitive game. It's the stats go down on your record. Guardiola's always said this. He always counted, you know, the community shield. At the end of the day, you have to be one of the two best teams in England last season to be in it. So it does mean something. They they took it out by calling it friendly and a charity, uh, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, it's a trophy. And I think, look, silverware, silverware. But do you think it means anything in terms of what to expect of Liverpool versus Manchester City this I, year? I, I, I think Liverpool win the title and Man City win the Champions League. 
I think Guardiola won't be done with City until he's won the Champions League. And I think, I honestly think we, we win the league. They win the, uh, the, the Champions League. I do. I think that's how it's going to pan out. And so before we go, one of the things that I didn't talk about, I had it on my notes earlier and then we moved on to other things was Sammy Schmodick. So he played yes. at the weekend, but there's been he a lot did. of rumors around uh, a transfer. So can, any updates you can give us on that? So by the time this goes out, he'll probably have signed and done his medical. Right now he's doing his medical with Blackburn. Um, hopefully it all goes to plan for him. Um, as everyone knew, you know, Blackburn had made three bids during the summer. Um, the player reached out to me about seven days ago to say that it was life-changing, he wanted to move. I told him at the time, get your head down. We're nowhere near a deal. Um, I've got to do what's best for the club. You know, at the end of the day, we knew this could always be on the horizon. Blackburn came back on Thursday and engaged, and a few things were sorted out, and I agreed in the end, but I made it clear to Blackburn, he is in the manager's team on Saturday, and I'm not disrupting the manager on a Friday morning when he's already picked his team. So I told the manager, Sammy Schmodix is in your 11. That's up to you. If you're picking him, he plays. And um, and then after the game, we'll talk about what happens next. And obviously, after the game, he was done. I gave permission late on Saturday night, about half eight Saturday night, um, for Blackburn to do the medical with him over the weekend. Um, and we wish him all the best. He's brilliant for us. Two great seasons. Um, great lad. Um, him and his family, superb. You know, I hope he goes and smashes it there. Um, it's good business for the club. We spoke about, you know, we spoke about reducing debt. We spoke about doing what's right for the club. You can't keep bringing players in. We have a massive squad. Um, the manager knows, you know, does he need to be replaced? We've got four weeks left. Maybe yes, maybe no. That's up to the gaff. Um, we spoke about it just an hour ago. He wants to take his time. I've complete trust in him. We're all aligned in the type of players he likes. Um, when I say that, they're aligned with how Peter Below players, but there has to be, there's a couple of different things in there. You know what I mean? They're a little bit different from before. You know, it's got to work a little bit harder and all those things. So, um, yeah, I think now we, we just play it cool. Um, no rush on that. Um, but again, that's what our club's about is providing a platform. Look, Sammy nearly went to Oxford on loan in January. I, tr I turned that deal down. And because I didn't feel there was any value in a player of that value going to League One at the time. And it was a risk for the club that if it didn't come off and he suddenly ended up on Oxford's bench, then you got a player with no value. Now he's a League One substitute. And then it was the right decision because Grant came in and he was his best player for the last six, seven games. And that's led to the move. It's a bit of a turnaround, right? Because yes, I it mean, is. It is. He, it he, is. Was, it is. he was at least rumoured as an outsider, just reading the press to be pretty unhappy with the way things were going back January, February time uh, before Grant came in. Yeah, Sammy wanted to go to Oxford and look. Mm -hmm. But that's Sammy. If Sammy's not playing, fair play to him. He wants to go and play. So I probably wasn't popular with him then because I said no. But as I reminded him by message the other day, I bet you're glad I didn't let you go in January because all roads have led to this. And that's what we do and that's what I do as a club. You know, we make decisions, the right decisions for the, at the right moments. There's no perfect science, but we get it right more than we get it wrong. And the answer will be the question from our, our people will be, are you replacing him? There is availability to replace him. Yeah. If the manager wants to. If not, we wait till January. Right now, we are, we've got a lot of talents throughout the squad. So that's down to Grant. If Grant says to me tomorrow, we're going to replace him, we'll replace him. If he says to me in two weeks' time, I'm okay, that's fine too. So we're supportive of the manager and his team. And we want to give them all the tools. But at the same time, what we can't do is we can't just replace someone for the sake of replacing them. Do you know what I mean? It, it's got to be, instead of rushing into it, it's got to be do it in the right way. We've, we've got a list of four players. 
you know, if that's the case and he wants one of those, then we start working through that list. Right now, we're not doing that. So I'll let the manager just, you know, take a breath, get on with what he's got. We've got some big games coming up over the next couple of weeks, but we've got time. Time is on our side for a change. Now, we've talked about the need to um, close the deficit, you know, yes. and whether that meant players going out uh, before players coming in. As you kind of surveyed who you expected would go out to perhaps close that deficit, was Sammy one that was on your list, or did this come out as a bit of a like an opportunity, let's say, for both club and player? Yes, potentially. When we sat down in May and had a recruitment meeting, he was on the outgoing list to go towards the hole and also the fact because of his wages. Everyone knows, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like, and the manager was in full agreement with that. Now, obviously, the manager likes him a lot as a player. So while he might be in agreement, he's thinking, well, hopefully no one comes in for him. But at the end of the day, he's the type of manager who would never stand in a player's way. Blackburn are going to offer him money. You know, and again, that that's sometimes, yes, it's part of the consideration, but it's not a be all and end all. At the end of the day, Blackburn hadn't come to a level we're comfortable with and the deal wasn't right for us. We would have said, look, play till January and we'll see if we can get you another club. But it's got to be right for, for both parties. You know what I mean? So it's helped towards the deficit. There's a big hole in League One that we have to fill. And I've always said this, but we won't sell players for below our valuation. And, you know, that's me and Barry. This is the way we operate. And we, we, you know, we did not want to upset our, 11, our, our team. You know, we could have pulled them on Thursday night, Friday, and said he's not playing. We didn't do that. We gave the manager that freedom of, hey, he's your player. You pick him. I have not, I have not said he's going to Blackburn. You know, you've got a big game to plan for. I don't want anything distracting from that. Be the reason we lose a Cheltenham or whatever else. Um, you know, and it gave the player a chance, I think, to say goodbye to the fans and stuff like that. And, and yeah, so that's where we are. That's football. That's the way it goes. Another one goes in the books. Um, you know, we spent a million pounds on Sammy. Not a lot of people would have done that for a player that, you know, wasn't getting in at Bristol. And obviously he's won us a promotion. He's done very well. And now we've, we've made a return on him, which has now helped towards the hole we're in in League One. So that is the essence of good business, Philip. Now, this will be his third spell in the championship, you know, with Bristol City, with you last I think year. it'll be his best one. I think it'll be his best one. I do. I do. I think I think the environment will work for him. I think it'll be his best one. I think his best years are ahead of him. People, someone said the other day about his age, where he's 26, for goodness sake. He hasn't even his peak yet. And the type of player he is, I'm really hoping it's his best. And um, me and him have always had uh, a great relationship, but it's had its moments. You know, uh, you know, when I first tried to get him back here after the loan and he wanted to stay at Bristol and then when suddenly Bristol didn't want him and then obviously I met with his agent, his family and him and then to the point where he was messaging me every day going, have you done the deal yet with Bristol? And then to the point where he wanted to go to Oxford in January and he wasn't, talk he wasn't talking to me because I wasn't letting the deal go ahead. And then to the point now where he was like, you know, I, I want to go to Blackburn and I'm like, calm down, get on with your football, let me take care of the rest. And that's always my promise to a player. Of course, it's, I'll do my best for them and the club. So we wish him nothing but the best, love, and he will always be a posh legend because he's got a promotion on his CV. And, and he ran the hard yards. And him and his family had a hard time a year ago, and um, you know, or, or two years ago. And I'm, I'm delighted to see him and his wife, um, you know, his partner, just uh, come back from that and do great and, and, and build a little family unit. So 
we wish him nothing but the best. He's great kid. All right. Well, with that said, we'll call it uh, quits for this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Um, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And uh, if you do have any questions, you can always reach out. Reach out by Twitter. Just find the Twitter handle, DM us, or uh, send us an email, contact at hardtruthfootball.com. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.